when you come to West Texas, folks, saddle up. You're going to go on a wild ride. You're listening to the official podcast of the nation, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland. Yo, what's up, Red Raider Nation? And welcome back to the nation's official podcast. I am TJ Kern. That is Blake Hartsfield. And together we are your hosts for the nation's official podcast. Let's get right to it. You beat Kansas on Saturday. Before that, you beat TCU. We talked about it on our last show. Hey, this is a stretch here where if you're going to get bowl eligible, now's the time to do it. And they went and got two big W's. Yeah, TJ, they beat TCU at home. Uh, on a personal note, I was thrilled about that. That's the first time we've beaten TCU in football uh, since my wife and I have been together. Tech had lost like four or five in a row. So um, that was fun to finally be on the winning end of that one. Uh, then they they back it up by going up to Kansas uh, this past weekend and getting a win on the road against the top 20 team. Uh, maybe a little bit fortunate that Kansas uh, was down to their third string quarterback after Tech knocked the the second stringer out of the game early. Um, but we'll take it. Uh, a win is a win. Uh, it gives them an opportunity to stay bowl eligible. Um, it makes this game against UCF here uh, this coming Saturday at the Jones an absolute must win. And TJ, I'll argue one of the most important games to date uh, in Joey McGuire's tenure at, at Texas Tech, because um, not only is it getting bowl eligible, but for me, it's it's like we talked a little bit about last year. It's, it's getting that extra month of practice uh, going into the bowl game to start to try to build something for next year. Uh, but they do find a way to win two games. That they did. And surprise, surprise, Taj Brooks is still your best player. He is their best player, TJ. And um, these two wins have been the, a combination of kind of two things, in my opinion. Uh, one, the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, has has finally realized what he has in Taj Brooks. And he gives him the ball 31 times for 146 yards and a touchdown against TCU. Uh, and then in the game against Kansas, um, he he gave him the ball early and often. He got 33 carries for 133 yards and a score. TJ had over 100 yards in the first half. Uh, that coupled with the return of Baron Morton, who uh, anybody that has listened to this podcast knows I've been a Baron Morton believer uh, since his, his first start last year as a freshman. Um, he's come back and um, he's clearly still not 100%. He's got some sort of problem with that shoulder, but he's making the plays that this team needs. Um, he's by far their best option at the quarterback position and has been all year, despite the fact that he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and there's just some throws that he makes that are special. Uh, against TCU, he had two uh, touchdowns late in the, two touchdowns in that game in the second half that were were beautiful throws and then TJ in the game against Kansas in cold weather it was kind of a muted game from him but at the end of the game when they needed the drive he was able to make two or three big throws and um, won on a football game so uh, Baron Morton and, and Taj Brooks have been the drivers behind this this two game win streak and I've heard some people say oh Baron Morton is Baron Morton that right but we preached on this show patience with Baron Morton we just wanted him to get the opportunity to play because he needed the experience, one. Number two, we think he's got the talent to be really good. But we said also, hey, he's a sophomore, going to make some mistakes, going to try to force some throws. Wasn't exactly the best game on Saturday, but to your point, when you needed him the most, and you got to credit Joey McGuire for calling that timeout, the announcers were like, what is he doing? What is he doing? And uh, 
He called that timeout, saved 30 seconds, and the Red Raiders went right down the field and got a game-winning field goal out of it. So great job all around. Absolutely, TJ. He's not been uh, flashy by any means in these last two games. I mean, against TCU, uh, the numbers ended up being 28 of 36 for 282, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 79.2 QBR. That's actually a pretty good game. Uh, And then on the road against Kansas, he goes 19 of 25. So really accurate and efficient, only 176 yards, uh, no touchdowns and one interception. Um, And the interception was a, was a bad throw. Uh, That was a a mistake that a young quarterback is going to make. You you want to coach that out of him, but like you said, we've got to be patient, Um, but it's the throws that he is able to make that, that make you kind of say, wow. And and he's got that quote unquote it factor and passes all of the eye tests. So um, credit to Baron Morton, credit to Taj Brooks and, and TJ credit to this defense. Uh, I thought the defense was excellent in the, in the Kansas game, save for one long run late in the second half, uh, where, where they let, uh, Devin Neal get loose and, and Devin Neal's a really good running back. They missed a tackle in open space and he was gone. Um, and then against TCU, they got enough stops, um, uh, in that game to win them the game. So, um, Tim DeRuiter's defense continues to, to, not quite be the unit they were last year. They don't take the ball away nearly as much as they used to. Um, but the, but the core components of the defense are there, right? It's a bend, but don't break. And, and TJ, they don't break on fourth and goal or fourth and short. Um, they're one of, if not the best teams in the country in, in goal to go situations um, th- that the defensive tackles uh, get penetration. They shut down running games on fourth and one. And um, they, they just continue to get off the field and give it, give this offense chance after chance to go win games. And Tim DeRuiter definitely deserves, to borrow a phrase from you, deserves his flowers for this uh, run that we were on on that that game in Kansas. And I don't want to hear the excuse that they were down to their third-string quarterback because if Tech wasn't down to their third-string quarterback, you'd have a couple more wins in your bucket too. Well, TJ, if they'd been playing the right quarterback from the get-go, they would have probably beaten Wyoming. They might have beaten Oregon. They certainly would have beaten West Virginia and BYU. So, yeah, yeah. having the right quarterback definitely matters. Uh, Tech has been on the wrong end of that for the last several years, as we've talked about extensively with the, with the injuries to that position. Um, I certainly don't think they've helped themselves since that Kitley has been the offensive coordinator with all the design quarterback runs. Um, but yeah, not, you know, I, I don't feel sorry for Kansas when Tech has had to deal with it multiple times. Absolutely. And then you, one of the things that we've talked about on this show has been this defense the bend but don't break attitude. We've talked about Coach McGuire and the recruiting and the great job that he's done. And I kind of want to transition into Micah Hudson and our guy from Hutta, Will Hammond, both coming out this last week and saying, hey, we're going to graduate early and show up on campus ready to go. Love it, TJ. Uh, For those that listen to this pod, uh, I did drop that nugget a couple of weeks ago that I thought that um, for sure, Micah Hudson was going to happen, uh, but I had also heard rumblings that that Hammond was also going to come early. So um, thrilled to see both of those guys locked in uh, and they're going to sign and, and get on campus in January, participate in spring ball. Um, I think Micah is certainly a walk in uh, starter. He, he can come in and he can help Baron Morton. He can start. He can make plays down the field. You can get him the ball in space and let him run after the catch. Um, he's a do-it-all, everything receiver. Uh, Hammond, I, I think, is probably going to redshirt uh, as a freshman. Uh, I certainly think that's the smart move to preserve his eligibility because 
Um, they can they can call it an open competition, and I'm sure you know it probably will be an open competition. But I think it's very similar to the quote unquote open competition we got this year with Tyler Shuck and Baron Morton. Baron Morton's going to be this team's starting quarterback for the next two years that he's in, on campus uh, for his junior year, next year, and then his senior year. So if you redshirt Hammond, right, you'd have him as a redshirt freshman for uh, Baron Morton's senior year in 2025, um, and, and then he could take over as a redshirt sophomore in 2026. Uh, and have, in theory, three years as a starting quarterback should he choose to stay all three years. Um, and, and TJ, by 25 and 26, that's when you're really going to start to see the impact of Joe McGuire's recruiting. Um, you're already starting to see flashes of it this year. You'll see even more of it next year. But um, as we get into the 2025 season, where it's year four of, of Joey McGuire, you're going to see a lot of the the difference in the trenches, I think, as he's invested in, in recruiting on this offensive and defensive line. So um, certainly exciting times. Exciting times indeed here on the nation's official podcast with TJ and Blake. And Blake, one of the reasons for our excitement is basketball. You and I love basketball and specifically Texas tech basketball. And like right up there before we get into the basketball, how how about Josh Young? Can, Can we give the Red Raider world series champion a little love on the show? That's my guy. Absolutely. I, I know you and I are both thrilled. We're, we're both big time Rangers fans. I know you personally, your family grew up in Arlington and um, I know it was really special for you, but uh, I've also been a, a longtime Rangers fan, a fan of all the Dallas sports teams in addition to Texas tech. So I uh, was thrilled to see the, the Rangers finally win the world series and, and absolutely congratulations, congratulations to Josh Young. Uh, he, he has been um, a breath of fresh air over there at third base. He, he's a defensive uh, wizard over there. Nothing gets by him. Uh, he hits for average. He hits for power. Um, strikes out a little bit, but I think you can live with that with all the other good things that he does. Yeah, actually, uh, I bring him up because I saw him and Jace were back in Lubbock uh, at the basketball game to yeah. transition back to uh, basketball. So um, I bring up the Rangers to say this. Yes, the Rangers have my heart, but Texas Tech basketball has grown over the last decade to a a place in my heart where they are very special and probably number two on my sports priority list at this point. They're certainly up there for me as well, TJ, since uh, the the rise of this basketball program and and the rise of Texas Tech as a quote-unquote basketball school um, has been a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, and I think this new chapter under under Coach McCasland is is something that uh, Red Raider fans can be excited about. Um, I think you're going to see there's obviously going to be some change in in the philosophy and in the play style. Um, he does keep some principles, but with moving from Beard to Adams, you, you kept the no middle right, and, and nothing really looked any different on the court from from Beard to Adams. I think you're going to see a different team this year, and and through their first two games. You've seen a little bit of it. Um, they're they're a little bit smaller, but with that, they're faster. Um, they they employed principles of the of the no middle, but and unlike Beard and Adams, who switched every ball screen, um, this Red Raider team isn't doing that. They're fighting through screens with a hard hedge. Um, they are still practicing principles of the no middle, where they want to put guys on their weaker hand or or position and angle themselves uh, in, in such a way as to force a sideline drive and and not give up the paint. Uh, McCaslin did come in and spend a summer here when Beard was the coach and, and learned the philosophies of the defense and then has put his own spin on it. Um, so I think you're going to see a, a little bit of a smaller team. They're going to go with a three guard lineup most of the time. 
much more similar to how Baylor has played the last three or four years when they've been really good, where they've played a three guard, kind of one four and one true big. I, I think that's what you're going to see a lot of uh, with Coach McCaslin. He is a, a, a Drew disciple. He played at Baylor for him in addition to playing at Tech. So um, an exciting time for, for Tech basketball. We're going to get into this roster um, but they are two and oh, to, to uh, and it's they've looked pretty good doing it. And, and not only are they two and oh, TJ, but they they also took down the Aggies who are ranked in the top 15 in an exhibition, uh, in, in Denton a couple of weeks ago. So I, I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Yeah. And the Red Raider fans definitely turned out for that Aggie scrimmage. And uh, Pop Isaacs, our guy there, uh, lit him up for 30 in the uh, in the scrimmage for uh, against the Aggies. So you got Pop Isaacs back. I think that's huge. But then we hit the transfer portal pretty hard with Coach McCaslin in the first year. We haven't, uh, you know, gotten really into the roster. And our, we wanted to do a basketball preview. We still can at this point. But just wanted to point out that the Red Raiders are 2-0, and and there is a lot of excitement. I saw on Twitter that the fans – First for the first game against Texas A&M Commerce, there's a huge long line to get into the basketball game. I just I love seeing that as a former student who could walk in at game time and literally sit front row. It's yeah. nice to see that you you basically have to camp out to get a good seat if you're a student these days. For sure, they've turned the the USA into a fortress like you. I remember the day, the Pat Knight dark days where. You could show up five minutes after tip and and walk down to the front row and and the stadium had maybe twelve hundred people in it. I mean, it was it was bad. Um, to see it sold out every night is fun. To see you know students lining up around the corner to to get into the game is fun. And, and TJ, I think that the the Red Raiders are going to put a better product on the floor than you saw last year uh, in year two of Mark Adams. Um, I think this team has a really high floor, if you want to call it that. I think they're you kind of know what they're going to be. Um, They've just got too much proven production at the power five and big 12 level specifically uh, to not know what you're going to get. So they were picked eighth in the preseason poll. I think that they will finish no worse than that, but I think it's a pretty likely that they finish in the five, six or seven hole Um, TJ from, from the transfer portal. They picked up the two best players from Arizona state who made the tournament last year and Warren Washington. He's going to be your true big uh, and then Cambridge, who's kind of a, a, a three, four hybrid physical kind of player. Uh, they picked up Darian Williams uh, from Nevada. He was the freshman of the year in the Mountain West. And the, and the Mountain West is a pretty decent basketball league that sent three teams to um, the tournament. And of course, San Diego State made it all the way to the to the championship game. Um, he's kind of a do it all everything. He's not going to be a guy that scores 20, but he's going to give you 10 points and seven rebounds and four assists and two steals. Uh, plays good defense. Obviously, you got Pop Isaacs coming back. I think that's your leading scorer. We all know what he can do, um, and I expect him to take the next step as both a shooter and a guy who can create a shot for himself. Uh, and, and then, TJ, to me, maybe the most important guy that they added is, is Joe Tuasant, uh from West Virginia. He is a true point guard, which is something I think this team lacked last year uh, with Davion Harmon and Pop Isaacs. Neither one of them was really a true point guard. They could both handle the ball, but they couldn't really initiate the offense. Uh, Tucson's going to do that. He can score a little bit from that position, but he can get him into the right set. He plays great defense. He'll he'll cover the other team's best perimeter player, uh, and he'll he'll give you that. Um, and, and then coming off the bench, I think um, they've got two guys that that Coach McCaslin trusts. 
um, in Lamar Washington, and we know what he is. He's a defensive stopper. And then Chance McMillan is the transfer from uh, Grand Canyon University. He's a sniper, instant offense, uh, shooting type of, of guard, uh, pretty athletic and create his own shot, but but can shoot the three at a high level. Um, so you've got an offensive uh, sixth man and, and a defensive sixth man, so to speak. The one thing that concerns me, and we talked about this last year, was getting that eight-man rotation, and, and they need one of their bigs to, to step up off the bench, be able to give them 10 to 12 minutes a night, uh, whether that is Jennings or uh, this Yahalo kid from Finland that's a freshman uh, or, or Lindsay, the, the transfer from Georgia. They need one of those three guys to be able to give them 10 to 12 minutes as a rotation big, and I think they've got a really good team. And what I'm excited about is what you mentioned earlier, that we're going to play more like – we're going to look and play more like a Baylor team because I remember watching Baylor when they won the national championship and they played Tech. It was a huge game, and Baylor just played suffocating defense and shot the three lights out. Everybody that was open was hitting their threes. They bombed away. In that scrimmage with the Aggies, the Red Raiders knocked down the three ball at an exceptionally high clip, which is something you and I have been screaming for since we started our podcast, that we need to get some more shooters in here. Yeah, the the three-point shooting has been uh, lackluster, to put it nicely, the last couple of seasons. I am excited about that. And I think the other difference that you're going to see, TJ, is they're going to play faster uh, than these Mark Adams, Chris Beard teams. That's not to say that they don't still care about the defensive end. Um, in fact, I think I looked at uh, Ken Palm the other day and an adjusted defensive efficiency. Again, only two games, but I think they're like fifth in the country. So you're still going to see a, a very good defense. Uh, it's going to be different than, than what Red Raiders are used to, but it's still going to have some of the same principles as I talked about earlier. Um, but they're going to play faster. They, they want to move through sets on offense faster. And, and the biggest difference is when they get opportunities to get out and transition, this team wants to run. You saw it in the Aggie scrimmage. Uh, you've seen it in their first two games of the year this year. Um, they're going to have three guards, so I think the turnover situation should be much better than it was last year. Game one, it was the, the turnover number was a little high. It was much better against a better team in game two against San Jose State, which is, I think, something that you'll see is closer to the norm uh, for them. But they, they've got guards. They've got athletic bigs. Um, Warren Washington's probably the closest thing to uh, Tariq Owens that Tech has had since Tariq Owens. He's a big athletic center. Uh, seven footer that can jump and run. Um, and, and this team's going to get out in transition when they, when they have opportunities to get out and run. And we'll find out a lot about this team here soon because lo and behold, Villanova is on the schedule. Villanova is on the schedule. So uh, that, that Atlantis tournament down in, in the Caribbean is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they're going to get three high quality games there. Um, I'd love to come out of that two and one, uh, just continue to build towards um, towards the Big 12. And the other thing I'll, I'll give Coach McCaslin credit for, and it's something you and I griped about for the last two years, was he he seems to have um, increased the intensity of the non-conference schedule. Uh, for, for so many years under Beard and Adams, we played every sister of the poor and directional school that they could bring in here into Lubbock. And look, while what I love how at home buy games, yeah, you know, the home buy games, which look, I get that, right? I understand that there's a, a, there's a, a purpose for it. You need four or five, six of those games on your schedule to to a rack up the win total and b uh, you know build confidence and and kind of figure out what you've got and and 
I understand all that, but I also think that there's something to the to the old saying that iron sharpens iron, and I think playing a schedule with a little bit more teeth in it, like they have this year, uh, leading up to the Big Twelve play, will have them more prepared uh, to to start Big Twelve play. Um, we all know how tough the Big Twelve is in, in basketball. Every game is a grind. Um, and, and last year, especially in, in year two of Adams, they got off to such a horrendous start. They just couldn't dig themselves out of that hole. Um, and I think part of that is attributed to the fact that they didn't play anybody in non-conference. Uh, Louisville turned out to be one of the worst teams in the country. And uh, I think Creighton was the only team that they played and they lost that game pretty convincingly. So um, seeing a, a tougher non-conference schedule that's going to have them prepared for the Big 12 gauntlet is something that's certainly exciting. And whether it's five, six, seven, eight, you've got to think that if that's where they fall and they finish with somewhat close to a 500 record, tournament you're looking bid. at a tournament bid. Absolutely. And, and again, TJ, like I said, I think this team has a really high floor. I think you know they're going to finish eighth or better in the conference, which will get you into the NCAA tournament this year with the conference now having 14 teams. Um there's no doubt about that. I, I think that that's the floor and anything less than that, I think would be a pretty disappointing year one for, for coach McCasland. Um, I don't think they have an incredibly high ceiling on the other hand. I, I certainly don't think that they're going to be able to push into the top three of this conference with, uh, with Kansas and, and Houston and um, Texas or Baylor uh, in, in the three spot. So I, I think you kind of know what they are. They're a high floor, lower ceiling team. I could see them getting into the tournament as like a six or a seven seed, certainly winning their first round game. And then they will be a threat to whatever four, uh, three, four or five they get paired up with, depending on their seed line. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's certainly exciting. Yeah. Let me give you an analogy of, uh, that Iowa state team from a couple of years ago. I think that's a perfect, uh, get in, TJ get in the dance and then you see what happens. Well, they made the sweet 16 that, that first exactly. year under TJ Otzelberger or however you say his name. Um, they were a high, they were a team of a lot of transfers of, of power five proven players. Um, that had a pretty high safe floor, but they didn't have a great ceiling. You know, they didn't have a bunch of, uh, electrifying big time wins, but they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. They were competitive uh, against the, against the great teams in the conference. And, and they got into the tournament, I believe as a 10 seed, if, if I'm not mistaken, and then um, won two games in the first weekend, got to the sweet 16. So um, I certainly think making the tournament would, would be a success for coach McCaslin winning a tournament game would be a, a fantastic season. Um, and, and making it to a sweet 16, I think would be pretty unbelievable in year one, uh, given the, the dumpster fire he took over when, uh, coach Adams was, was dismissed. And like I was saying a few minutes ago on the nation's official podcast here with TJ Blake, we do love our basketball. And now this is our, this is our time, Blake, cause we've, we've still got football. Yep. We're going to be active on the football front. And then the we've got to keep an eye on this non-conference basketball team. So we're going to be busy. Um, first episode with some video. Uh, I, I'm excited about the future of what we've got going with the guys over at the nation. Absolutely. And Blake, how do we always like to end these things? Well, before we get there, TJ, do we do we want to talk a little bit about this UCF game Saturday? Oh, well, we could transition back to football. Yeah, let's go ahead. I think we should make picks here. Um, like I said earlier. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, you, you're I, always my pick guy. <laughs> well, I uh, I have a uh, – uh, I won't call it an addiction. I, I have a uh, an enjoyment. A I get enjoyment well, from call it a um, hobby. betting. Yeah, a hobby. I, I get enjoyment from betting football games, and um, it, it's certainly a lot of fun. 
Um, look, this UCF game, like I said, is is probably one of uh, the t- the top two or three most important games that McGuire has coached at Tech um, since he's been here. I'd put it up there with the Texas game last year. Um, this is one he's got to win. He has got to find a way to get to the sixth win. I think not making a bowl with with all of the expectation and talking that they did coming into the season would be just a colossal failure. I think it'd be a little bit of a setback as we move into next year and this power void in this conference that we've talked about. So beating UCF is really important. Um, the line opened at tech minus two and a half at home, which means that Vegas actually thinks UCF's a half a point better than you. Um, I did take tech as soon as it opened and it's since moved to three. So um, this is pretty much a pick em. Um on a neutral site. It would probably be a true pick em. Uh, you're in Lubbock. Uh, UCF has been really good at home in the Big 12 so far. Um, they played Oklahoma tough. Uh, they clobbered Oklahoma State over the weekend. I don't know what – I didn't see any of that game, but I saw the score, and I was shocked that Oklahoma State failed to compete like that. Um, but I'll take Tech uh, by a touchdown here, and, and I think this is one that Joe McGuire absolutely has to get. Yeah, so Tech gets it done this weekend. Come on out to the Jones. Let's get it rocking like normal. And uh, let's become bowl eligible. I like it, Blake. Good call. Before we go down to Austin over uh, the holiday weekend and take on those Longhorns for one final time. So, Blake, nice job today. Appreciate it. And uh, how do we always end these things? Wreck them. Wreck them. We'll talk to you guys on the next episode of the Nation's official podcast.